You are listening to the Mimi B Podcast, a lifestyle podcast that is designed to help you transform your life and become the best version of yourself possible. On this podcast, we talk about health, personal growth, career, and pretty much everything else it takes to become the best you there is. I'm your host, Mimi Bouchard. I own the online magazine, Mimi B, and I create courses on how you can upgrade your life to the next level. Every single one of us has the ability to produce extraordinary results in our lives, and this podcast is going to help you get there. Hey guys, today I'm here with Kelly Noonan-Gores. She's the creator and director of the award-winning documentary, Heal. Heal exposes the science behind the mind-body connection and how you can use your mind to heal yourself from any sickness and disease. This documentary is revolutionary, and I am so excited to have you on the podcast, Kelly. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited about this. I watched this documentary twice, you guys. If you haven't already, go check it out. It's on Netflix, Amazon, iTunes. It is a total game changer. And it's really great as well. Even if you are not sick yourself, it's, you know, I shared this documentary with so many of my friends, you know, a friend of mine, her dad was just diagnosed with cancer. And I just said to to both of them, I was like, you guys need to watch this. Um, you know, just spreading the word is it's, it could really change lives. Um, but yeah, let's get into, you know, why you decided to make such a powerful documentary. What was the passion behind it? Did you ever struggle with, you know, any health issues yourself? Um, it's a great question. A lot of people ask me that, um, you know, you would kind of assume that either I lost someone to a serious illness or I faced something myself and you know, as you know, I as with everybody else, I faced minor health issues throughout my life, and and some kind of major ones later. But what sparked this documentary was really just a passionate curiosity that I have that I've always tried to kind of understand how things work, and I'm just so fascinated with the human body. And um, I think in my twenties, I you know started seeing a lot of like healers and therapists and shamans and you know, because I was acting and I wanted to unlock and and remove blocks, you know, from my emotional trauma or whatever that was anything getting me in the way of um, being a better actor, you know? So I think that was like kind of my first exploration. And then I just started on this path of understanding, you know, spirituality and how our thoughts and beliefs affect, you know, not only our health, but our life um, and what we attract, et cetera. Uh, so, you know, I started thinking about doing the documentary about 10 years ago, maybe almost 11 years now, but, um, and it was just, it was just a calling. Like I, I was raised in the entertainment industry. So I really knew film as a, as a very powerful medium um, to change people. And, um, Ultimately, all the teachers that I put in the film were people that really impacted me throughout my, you know, the last 15, 20 years, either seeing them, hearing them in person teach or reading their books and just all of the information they were sharing with the world really empowered me and changed my life. And I wanted to kind of pay that forward and and share that for other people. 
Yeah, you literally have the most epic people on the documentary. Dr. Joe Dispenza, (laughs) my mom and I are obsessed with him. (laughs) Deepak Chopra, Marianne Williamson, Anthony William, medical medium, um, and just so many more. And it was just like, oh my God, every time someone new would pop up, I was like, oh my God, I know them. I'm so excited to like see them talk about this. Um, And it was really created so so well and really science-based too. And that's what I liked about it so much because, you know, I'm a big believer in the law of attraction and, you know, quantum physics and all of these cool, interesting things. But, you know, there are people like my boyfriend, love him, but he is quite, you know, uh, he, he's quite like male-minded, if you know what I mean. He he's, he likes the, the hard facts and he's, you know, that kind of person. But, and I totally respect that, but I, I want to watch this documentary with him because it is so science backed that he will literally be like, okay, I now believe all this stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So what's like the most mind blowing thing that you learned from interviewing all of these incredible people? Like what was something that really stood out that you didn't really know before, uh, you know, doing this documentary? Yeah, also a good question, because I did go into the process knowing a lot. You know, as I said, I had studied these teachers and experts for many years, so I knew a lot of what they were going to share. But I think, you know, there was definitely a few aha moments. Um, One of the biggest, I think, was talking about our subconscious beliefs. And, you know, because I do feel like we are co-creators with life and that our decisions and um, thoughts and energy that we're putting out in the world definitely uh, calls to us different experiences or attracts to us, you know, our experiences in life. So, you know, what some people call it the law of attraction, law of resonance, whatever, what you put out comes back to you. And, but what I, what I really didn't realize because it's subconscious is that we have these beliefs that we adopted from other people, basically our caretakers from our childhood, um, you know, from the age of being in the womb in utero and developing uh, to about seven years old, we're literally just downloading other people's programs. Yeah. You're like a sponge, basically. Totally. We're like a sponge and we're taking on other people's beliefs and perceptions of life, you know, and it could be a negative disempowering belief. Like I am not worthy. I'm not lovable. Life is scary. Life is not safe, um, et cetera. Or, you know, very few of us kind of develop really empowering belief systems. But the the thing is they're subconscious. So they're operating, it's like our operating system that's running our life and putting out our our vibration, but we don't, we're not aware um, of these beliefs. That's why they're subconscious. So it's just really uh once once so like while I do agree that we're co-creators and our decisions and our beliefs and emotions um really do affect our physiology and we're we need to take responsibility for that. It, it shows that like we're, we're not to blame because if we're not aware of the negative beliefs that are running our lives because they are subconscious, um, then, you know, we can't be to blame. So it's all about awareness and waking up and realizing what these beliefs that you hold are. And if there's any that no longer serve you, they may have served you for a period of time in your childhood for to make you feel safe or whatever. Um, but if they no longer serve you and they're no longer empowering beliefs, you know, it's time to look at our belief systems and change them so we can have a healthier, more powerful outlook. 
Mm, how do you change beliefs? It's been, you know, I've gone through a crazy personal growth journey in the past three years. Um, I'm only 22, so I'm glad I'm doing it young. But it's like I, I still struggle with beliefs that are set in my subconscious from when I was a kid. And, you know, there are certain things that I do that I know help. But how would you advise someone to change their beliefs? It's a pretty big thing to do. <laughs> it is, first of all, so amazing that you are already doing this at 22. Um, Thank you. you know, <laughs> I'm almost 40 and people think I'm young for doing all the work. Okay, sorry. You do not, like you literally look like you're in your late 20s. <laughs> oh my God. God bless you. You look insane. Like you are the epitome of health. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Um, you're so sweet. Um, yeah. So changing your subconscious beliefs is like, in, it's, it's, it's a biggie, you know? And I think that it's, that's the opportunity where you can seek out practitioners and you got to find your tribe of practitioners that can help you help facilitate um, you doing this. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of different modalities that you can educate yourself on. I think hypnotherapy is a really great way to access the subconscious. Um, you know, they put you under hypnosis and you can go back and actually uncover kind of repressed trauma that you weren't even aware that you stuffed down. I did that three weeks ago for the first time. It was so insane. It was amazing. I need to go again. This this woman I went to in London was amazing. We did like an hour of therapy and then an hour of hypnosis um, or hypnotherapy. And it was just like bringing up things I literally forgot happened. I kind of spoke about it in a previous podcast, but so I won't get too into it. But it literally, it's like, I didn't even remember these certain situations happen from when I was like eight years old. And it's just like insane. Wow. Yeah. I've, I, I would like to do more of it. I've tried it a couple times, but um, I think it is so fascinating. And it's, so healing when you can kind of peel back the layers of, of things that you repressed or suppressed um, mm. in your system. And that's still hanging out in your, in your body. Um, so hypnotherapy is one, you know, there's, there's so many different modalities to kind of get to the root of your beliefs. Um, and it's just finding those right practitioners or healers. You know, I've seen shamans that can kind of look into your soul grid and, and, um, you know, give you insight onto some of these beliefs that you hold that come up. Um, there's EFT and there's just a lot, you know, muscle testing. A lot of people have developed systems uh, around muscle testing that can kind of pinpoint suppressed emotions that are trapped in your body that you may need to do, um, different things to move that stuck energy. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a biggie. Um, certain really high level therapists can, can help uncover, uh, you know, inner child healing work, et cetera. You can get to the root of your belief systems, but, um, it does, it definitely does help in this case to, to find someone to help facilitate it. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that, you know, one of, if one of our listeners at home doesn't necessarily have the budget to go to a therapist every week. Um, is there anything that you would suggest doing at home? Like I know journaling has actually really helped me uh, kind of uncover certain certain beliefs or barriers I've had within myself. Do you suggest anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, journaling is something that I do as well. Um, 
I think, you know, to me, I'm an avid reader. I love to read. I think books are an inexpensive way to give you a lot of insight. And, you know, once you're on this journey and you're seeking these answers about yourself, um, you know, insights pop up, aha moments come to you while you're reading. Uh, you'll be led to the right books. And, and, and this is kind of your basis of education uh, can come in a, you know, in the form of a book in your own home. And it could uncover, make you become aware, you know, suddenly like allow your issues to come to the surface just by kind of reading something that causes an aha moment. So there's journaling, there's obviously, you know, other tools I'm a advocate of or meditation, anything that quiets the noise in your mind, yoga, meditation, walking in nature. Um, you know, it could be painting. Uh, anything that quiets down your mind allows your intuitive voice to come through. And, um, you know, f- that intuitive voice and that inner guidance can give you a lot of insight into, you know, things that need to be addressed. Mm, yeah, just learning about the topic. And, you know, <clears throat> even just, you know, from watching that documentary, I'm sure so many people have kind of sparked that in their brains as well. And, and started becoming more interested in this whole kind of alternative way of healing yourself. Um, Let's talk about stress a little bit, because this is a massive topic in this documentary. And, you know, I was it Dr. Jeffrey Thompson that said that most disease is linked to stress, like 95 or something percent of disease is linked to stress. I think that was. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Yeah. Dr. Thompson definitely, um, he, he mentioned it, but actually all of them, yeah, all of the experts in the film basically agree that 95% of what takes people to the doctor uh, is stress-related illness, and that's mostly psychological and emotional stress. Um, the rest, you know, it's classified as chemical stress or physical stress, which would be like injury, but um, a lot of it is psychologically stress, you know, stress-induced conditions. Mm. So I think, you know, what Dr. Thompson, I think said, he, he said, it's not so much about the stress that's coming at you, but how you handle the stress. How do you handle your stress? And like, obviously, you know, if something tragic happens in your life, it is stress inducing, but like, what can you do? What can you fall back to? Um, if you want to start living this, you know, more stress-free life for your health? Yeah. So as far as stress goes and, you know, again, just becoming aware of the toll that stress takes on our life um, and our physical body, we have this stress response that, you know, you learn about in the film that is called fight or flight. And basically your nervous system is either in fight or flight or rest and repair. And they're mutually exclusive. So you can't be, you know, our bodies are designed to heal in every moment, but if we are in our stress response, uh, we're not healing. So we're shutting down. It's it's called fight or flight because it's a survival mechanism. Back, you know, in the old days when you had to, we lived out in the wild and, you know, had to run from a tiger to survive. Um, and so this, you switch over into the nervous system of fight or flight, all of your systems shut down, your immune system shuts down, your higher brain centers shut down, um, your digestion shuts off because that takes a lot of energy and all of your energy reserves go to your muscles to run for your life or fight for your life. And so the problem is that's only supposed to be turned on for five to to 20 minutes, you know, so you can 
run from the tiger and get up a tree or whatever. But now we are inundated with a bunch of information. We're inundated with so much negativity on the news. We are on our smartphones. We're getting information and, and um, faster than ever. And we just, we can't process. So that's putting us into this chronic stress response. Uh, and remember, it's mutually exclusive. So if we're chronically low-grade stress, uh, we are totally taking away energy from our digestion system, our immune system, our higher brain functioning, uh, et cetera. So that's why stress is so detrimental and how we have to, must have these tools to get us into that rest and repair mode, to get us into the parasympathetic nervous system and shut off the stress, which is, again, meditation, yoga, walking, exercise, uh, just disconnecting from technology, connecting with nature, connecting with other humans, you know, and just really quieting the mind and the stress response. Mm -hmm. So what are some other things to avoid? Because for me, excess social media is a total killer for my mental health, my stress levels and all of that. Um, I also like to eat really healthy. Is there anything that you try to avoid? And you know that if you, you know, consume that type of thing, you just get really stressed out? Yeah. Um, I really, it's hard for me to watch the news these days, Mm -hmm. because it's just a bunch of people arguing over it's a bunch of, you know, people that are brought onto the news show with their opinions, arguing and yelling and cutting each other off and constant negativity. Yeah. Yes. And so news to me, I think is very stressful there. We do, we watch this one half hour segment of news that is, it's like takes us back in time where they're just really just reporting the news. The anchor man doesn't have all these correspondents on there telling their opinion. It's just professional anchor delivering the news, covering the stories that are important in that day in the globe. And then they end with like a positive, inspiring news story. And I'm like, that's all we need. We need to be informed, but like not inundated with this like negative chatter. So um, I think news is one. And I think, yeah, I think the pressures of social media and, you know, just this new system where we quantify popularity by likes and followers is not, it's not good for the young minds of the world, you know? It really, really isn't. And I see it in my generation too, and I'm a victim to it. You know, it it sucks. It's like, this is so important to everybody. And if it wasn't my job, I honestly think I would delete Instagram. And I literally, now I'm at the point where I'm like, shit, I can't really do that now. <laughs> I know. And that, you know, there's so many positive things to Instagram, especially for influencers and bloggers and business these days. Um, so it's just, you really have to take agency and, and learn to have a healthy balance. You yeah. Know? I, I do take breaks from it quite often. Um, like I really just, I'm actually in the countryside right now. I'm kind of taking some time off at my parents' house and I'm just like totally not checking my phone. I turn it on airplane mode most of the day and it's just like knowing when to give myself a break is so important. Yes. All right. So let's talk about this part of the documentary I loved. Uh, Radical remission. Dr. Kelly Turner spoke about the nine essentials. Um, Maybe go into that a little bit. Is it that she researched and found all these people that had radical remissions from uh, kind of terminal illnesses and they kind of bounced back from that and she studied what they did? Exactly. So her research is specifically to cancer. But I think her 
what she found um, would applies to any chronic illness. So she was doing her like I think dissertation in in, in graduate school, and she came up, uh, across these you know radical remission studies where these essentially people were sent home to die with stage four cancer. Their doctors told them there's nothing else we can do and we're sorry, but, you know, go home and get your affairs in order and enjoy your family for your final days. And all of these, she found 1500 cases of people who were essentially sent home to die. And, um, and they all radically remissed. They all spontaneously healed. So she was like, why aren't we studying what they're doing? Like, that's the key to health and healing, you know? So out of 1500 cases that she studied, she discovered about 75 different things that these people did. But the interesting thing is, um, every single one of them did a version of these nine things. So, uh, and what's even more fascinating to me is out of the nine, only two of them were physical, which was, um, radically changing your diet and using herbs and supplements. And the rest were mental, emotional, and spiritual. And I think that says a lot about what's going on and what's wrong with our medical system because right now, Western medicine is only treating the physical and not in taking into account the mental, emotional, and spiritual. And, and this just goes to show like you have, you know, physical is only 20% of it. You've got to address holistically the emotions and your, you know, stress and et cetera. Mm, I have them written down here. So the other seven taking control of your health, following your intuition, which is just so cool. Uh, This one's my favorite though, releasing suppressed emotions. So incredible. Because honestly, like what people think that once thing bad happens to them, they just, you know, they think they're digesting the emotions and letting it go. But most of the time we're actually keeping them in and suppressing them and just being like, I don't want to deal with this. This is too painful. I don't want to cry or be upset. Um, I'm just going to, you know, store this away emotionally really deep down for later kind of thing. And it's just like, it's an, you're, you're really waking up to a new life when you start actually releasing those suppressed emotions. And I have only really experienced this a few times in my life. And one being three weeks ago when I went to that hypnotherapist and I was releasing these crazy emotions from things that were happening when I was, you know, eight years old, like I said, and I just, I want to keep going back because I think that's so important. Um, it's, it's just absolutely insane. That one's the most shocking to me. Um, but yeah, so then the other ones, increasing positive emotions, embracing social support, deepening your spiritual connection and having a strong reason for living. I think it's incredible. I think the embracing social support one is really interesting as well because I feel like a lot of sick people might not want um, everyone to kind of be like, oh my God, are you okay? Are you okay? Totally. So, you know, especially like when I'm not feeling well, I don't necessarily want to see people, you know, you, you tend to isolate yourself when you're feeling vulnerable. Um, and what they are showing and finding is, you know, again, back to healthily expressing your emotions. It's okay to feel that it's okay to, you know, be sad, be angry, be the victim for a moment. And, and feel the feelings of, of the reality of the diagnosis you were just given. But they are showing and research and science is showing that um, social support and feeling loved and having people, you know, um, support you in, in loving ways that actually releases, causes your brain to release healing chemistry in the body. So 
um, just perceiving people coming to help you and run errands and hug you or just sit with you and cry with you or whatever, um, all of that will elicit a healing response in your body. So, you know, I think people that attend cancer support groups, um, tend to live twice as long they're showing and people that are prayed for with group healings, they get out of intensive care faster. Like the, you know, this is all based on research. So social support's pretty powerful. Mm, it's amazing. So what about the following your intuition point? What does that exactly mean? Um, I think that, you know, your body is, you know, part of the documentary shows that our body through symptoms, through pain, through all of these other things, your body is constantly trying to communicate with you what's going on. It's your biggest ally. Um, it's not breaking down on you. It's it's trying to to give you, trying to communicate with you. And the same with your, you know, intuition. Um, you you always you have an inner guidance system, an inner GPS that will never lead you astray. Um, it's it's connected to your source. It's connected to your higher consciousness, and so you know, the trick is to, to discern which voice is your intuition, you know, which is why things like meditation and prayer and journaling and all of that are helpful because you create, you quiet the mind so that you can actually hear that guidance, that inner guidance system. So again, your intuition is just your higher self leading you, you know, to the, to the practitioner that you need leading you. If, if your doctor tells you, um, and this was in Kelly Turner's research too, a lot of the people that had radical remissions, you know, they listened to their intuition. So their doctor was telling them like, you know, you need to do chemo and therapy, chemotherapy and radiation starting Monday. And it was Friday, you know, and they're just like, wait a second, something doesn't feel right. I, I want to get a second opinion, you know, so they go to a second opinion and they get a different, you know, outcome. So, it's just you really have to your your body and your higher consciousness are are guiding you and you have to listen to that above all else. You know, don't don't buy into other people's fear or opinions that they're projecting onto you because you you really know know best. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um and you know what that's just reminded me of another part of the documentary. Um, the woman, I think, was it Elizabeth, her name? And she had that tube with the medicine going inside of her. And she just start, started seeing that as, oh, it's healing me. So even if you are doing chemo or, or getting, you know, some sort of medication, like kind of seeing it in a different way, I feel would be so helpful. Totally. Just assigning new meaning, you know, um, because yeah. a lot, you know, it's this, this film is definitely not anti-Western medicine. Uh, what we try to demonstrate is that wherever your belief is strongest, um, if you believe that because you're stage four and you're, you know, later in the game and you need to just bring in the big guns and, and treat yourself with chemotherapy and radiation, if you believe that, that your chances are greatest with that treatment, then you should do that treatment because you're going to have the best results from wherever your belief is strongest. And I would suggest doing other complementary things like Elizabeth in the film did while she's doing conventional treatment to continue to boost your immune system and and give yourself the best chance of a holistically healing while you are bringing in the big guns. But again, it's it's where your belief is strongest, and that's that's what you should do. And you know, she she had to switch her 
she had to kind of assign new meaning to chemotherapy because she had her whole life, she was so alternative and, and holistically healthy and thought of chemo as poison. And now she was in a situation where she was kind of forced to do the chemo because of the stage of her cancer. And with help, she reframed that, no, um, this is actually medicine. This is going to help me. And she visualized and told herself the story that this chemo is going to leave everything else intact and it's just going to attack the cancer. And she used her, you know, visualized and, and, and felt that and changed the story. And, and it had a really powerful effect on her. So incredible. So incredible. Okay. So let's move things to nutrition now. I know you're into nutrition and obviously it's like so important uh, for our health and, and it, it, we are what we eat. Um, what's your whole nutrition philosophy and what do you eat in a day? I should say. <laughs> Well, out of curiosity, I know you're pregnant yeah. right now, so you can <laughs> double today. that amount and you know, it's fine. I feel, <laughs> I feel, I feel a little guilty. I should be feeding, you know, her a lot more vegetables and a little less, you know, but, um, I think, you know, I think, uh, I've, I've studied a lot about n- nutrition and I think, you know, really finding a balance of enjoying what you're eating and also eating clean. So I think my overarching philosophy is eating food as close uh, to how nature designed it. So um, that means eating organic fruits and vegetables. Um, that means eating local as much as possible and in season. You don't want you want you want food that's in alignment with nature and how nature intended it to be. <clears throat> you know, I I'll eat a packaged food once in a while, but I want to make sure that the ingredients are very simple and there's not a bunch of chemicals in there that I can't pronounce because I know how much those disrupt our system. So I try to eat as many whole foods as possible. I do eat meat. Um, and if I, if I do eat meat or fish, fish, I want it to be raised, uh, humanely. I want it to be, you know, if it's fish, I want it to be wild fish raised in its own habitat, caught in its own habitat. If it's, if it's meat, I want it to be, you know, humanely raised on its natural diet of grass fed, you know, or whatever it's supposed to eat naturally. Um, so again, just eating in alignment with how nature intended and, and putting, you know, a lot of people stress about eating the right thing or not eating the right thing. And that you could eat salads every day for the rest of your life or raw vegetables. But if you're stressed about the food you're eating, it's going to have a detrimental effect. So, you know, it's like 80, 20 or 90, 10, you know, eat, eat as clean as you can 80% of the time. And 20% 20% of the time, if you're keeping your instrument and your body temple healthy and strong, you can handle a French fry. You can handle chocolate ice cream. You know, you're, that's part of enjoying life. You know, it's just about balance. I love that. And I'm, I'm currently trying to work on that at the moment. I feel like I've been such a health freak for so long and, and, you know, obsessed with quality. Like I, I do have, you know, meat and fish as well, but you know, I'm, I'm so obsessed with like, oh, it has to be organic and wild. Like I won't touch it if not. Um, you know, I, I used to be quite like uptight about everything. And, uh, recently I had a great conversation with my, one of my best friends, she's a holistic nutritionist. And, you know, I just, I feel like what you just said there, exactly. The stress is actually causing me more harm. Like it's fine if it's not organic, like I can, you know, eat a vegetable that's not organic. I can have a bite of like my boyfriend's pasta like it's not a big deal just most of the time be you know treating your body with love and respect and 
you know, just listening to it and giving it what it needs to feel, I think is so important. So I definitely need to work on that, but that sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I have one more question for you, Ketty. I like morning routines a lot on this podcast. I'm obsessed with them. I do a morning routine every morning. I, I really love how life-changing they can be. And I always like to ask, ask my guests, um, you know, let's say you've woken up on the wrong side of the bed one morning. What do you do in your morning that ensures you'll bounce back and have an amazing day? Yeah. So morning routine, if you wake up on the wrong side of the bed and you need to pivot in the right direction, um, I would say my biggest probably go-to, my biggest two go-tos there are um, gratitude journaling and exercise. I mean, I've, I was an athlete my whole life, so I think exercise is a big therapeutic tool for me. So if I wake up and I have like some sort of angst or tension or I didn't sleep well or whatever, um, I will want to sweat it out. I want to get, get stuff moving. I think, you know, Running is very therapeutic for me. It clears my head. Um, I get a lot of insights when I'm running, um, you know, or do yoga, something like that to where I'm moving my physical body and I just get some endorphins going. Um, I think that is a great way to shake it up and pivot in the right direction and, and feel good immediately. And then my other tool would be to go to gratitude. Um, I do a couple different types of journaling. I gratitude, you know, I do gratitude journaling um, and I do journaling just to like keep track of what's going on in my life because I tend to forget and it's fun to go back to every once in a while. Um, but so gratitude journals, I will start to write down things that I'm grateful for that are actually reality and in, in my life happening. Grateful for my health. I'm grateful for my the healthy child growing within me. I'm grateful for the success of heal, et cetera, et cetera. Um, then I'll go into things I'm grateful for, uh, that I want as if I already have them. And it's, it feels silly at first, but I've been doing it so long. It's kind of fun. It's like fantasy play. So let's say I wanted to go on an African safari. I'd be like, I'm so happy and grateful that, um, I went on this amazing African safari and saw the lions and giraffes and got to experience, you know, this beautiful culture, et cetera, et cetera. So you, you write about things you want, giving thanks for them as if you already have experienced them. And that just gets you into the playful habit of using your imagination in, the, in, a, in a healthy way. And you start to feel the feelings and imagine those things. And it's pretty awesome how much kind of manifests after doing that work for a long time. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. I do my own kind of version of that. How much, like what percentage of these, these things do you think have, have manifested into reality? Say that one more time. You said what percentage of what? Oh, what percentage of these, uh, future gratitudes do you think have manifested into reality? Oh my gosh. Um, you know, a lot, some, I I would say over 50%, um, which is pretty good. That's amazing. Yeah, I had some pretty, pretty cool experiences. Just you know, and I do, I do general. Like I used to. I remember, like eight, nine years ago, I give thanks for being financially free and being able to afford a masseuse every you know week. Or you know, I I definitely when I started um, heal the heal process, I 
gave thanks for it ending up on Netflix and being seen all over the world and that's happening. So, um, you know, a lot, a lot comes true. And I think the the main, you know, and it's not, I don't, I don't get hung up on what manifests and what doesn't, because the minute you start real, you know, you start to focus on what's not showing up, um, you're affirming that lack. So you don't want to go there. But uh, it's just that practice. Gratitude is so powerful. If you get yourself into that mindset every morning, it just sets the tone for your day. And the universe definitely conspires to give you more things to be grateful for. Oh my God. I love that so much. And it's so underrated. I think like so many people are like, Oh, whatever. It's just something for positivity, but it's like, no, it actually changes how you think throughout the day. And I feel like when I do my gratitude in the morning, like I'm just a nicer human being. I have, you know, better conversations. I am just nicer to my family, my friends, my, my boyfriend. I'm just like, just so much more grateful and happy that my life is what it is. And, you know, it's all about living in the now as well. I think for me, the gratitude thing, and that's something I've struggled with is living in the moment. I'm quite futuristic thinking a lot of the time. And um, yeah, that's the one tip that's really helped me kind of like think about where I am right now and, and be grateful and happy, you know, in this process of getting to where I want to be. Totally. And I think too, for healing, you know, it's a really powerful shifter. Uh, to get you out of fear. You know, if you've just gotten diagnosis or you are in pain, like gratitude is a really good thing to practice because um, it's it's easy to kind of fall into victimhood if you are not feeling well um, or you have been labeled with this terrible diagnosis. But if you just fake it till you make it and you write in the gratitude journal that you're so grateful for your health and you're so grateful for, if you do that every day and just make it a practice, I mean, you literally trick your mind into starting to create that reality and you, you release just feeling gratitude, even if you have to fake it for a little bit um, through writing or whatever, it's you, you, it definitely triggers, you know, the release of oxytocin and dopamine and endorphins in your body and your heart. And um, it's very, very, very healing. That's incredible. I love that. Okay. I have one last question that I just remembered. I wanted to ask you, um, obviously, you know, most diseases are stress induced. What about like skin issues? Um, I talk about skin a lot on the podcast, like we spoke about, or you spoke about eczema and psoriasis on, on the documentary. Um, but what about like rosacea and acne? Is that also emotional? Yeah, it's a great question. (laughs) how to answer that. A lot of, you know, a lot of skin issues can, can be connected to your liver. Um, and they say in Chinese medicine, your liver is responsible for processing anger. Um, you know, and maybe, maybe the rosacea is a result of a behavior or a lifestyle decision that you're making, whether you're drinking too much alcohol or eating foods that don't align with your, um, constitution of your body, you know, your dosha in the Ayurveda. Um, so maybe that it's not directly connected to your emotional, but if it's, if there, if there's something in your past and there's some anger that you haven't processed and your liver's having, um, is sluggish because of it, then it could be affecting, you know, and coming out and expressing in your skin. So, uh, I think it's, I think emotions always play a factor. I just don't know if it's 
the one and only cause. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So interesting. Cause I have rosacea on my arms and I ask like every specialist that comes on the podcast, I'm like, what do I do? But I definitely, <laughs> I'm, I'm a Pitta. I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm a Pitta if we're talking about Ayurvedic medicine and yeah, they, they tend to be a lot more fiery. So I need to uh, get on that <laughs> to try fixing that fire inside of me. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm the same. <laughs> You're a Pitta as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pitta Vata, I think. Amazing. Okay, Kelly, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I think the listeners will absolutely love this episode. Where can they find you and where can they listen to Heal? Or li- watch Heal, sorry. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, so you can go to healdocumentary.com and purchase the film, rent the film there. It'll take you to all the links to Netflix or whatever. And um, also you can, there's extra, you know, reading materials and resources on the website, um, on social media, we are at heel documentary for Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And then I personally am at Kelly Goris, um, on Instagram and not super active on Twitter. I need to learn how to do that, <laughs> but, uh, there's so much to do. Um, so I yeah, so much. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Mimi.